Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I am joined by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? Hello. How we doing? Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going good. It's going good because, uh, you know, a lot of things have gone. A lot of things uh, we were announced today, today being uh, Monday, uh, November 18th, that things will be going and leaving, and we might have a new standard and hopefully actually a, a lot of a lot of changes in a lot of different formats. But before we get on to those awesome announcements of this Monday of, of, of our recording, I want to know how everyone's week has been in Magic or otherwise, uh, it, it just all around. Caroline, start with you. How, how has your week in Magic been? Uh, well, my week in Magic has been... Not a lot of magic, unless you count the 1995 video game called Chandelier. And in that case, I played 24 hours of magic. I did a charity stream with uh, Matt Nass and Sam Party and other guests of Denver Friends. Uh, and we streamed for 12 hours on Saturday and 12 hours on Sunday. Uh, and the end of the stream involves pies to the face, so... Honestly, it was kind of crazy. Like the day one, we finished. We did twelve hours, and we were about we were just over one k, and we had reached a goal. Um, we had a bunch of milestones and incentives. But then on day two, we ended up just unlocking way more milestones, and um, kind of went from one k all the way up to almost five. So it was pretty crazy. How about you, Sean? Yeah, my week wasn't too exciting. I did have a my first competitive pioneer tournament where I got to play the old faithful blue-eyed control. That was pretty great. I got to register three Sphinx's Revelations. I ended up top eighting and then also did a little bit of modern testing for uh, Magic Fest Columbus this coming up week. So it was a good week overall. Heck yeah. My week in Magic uh, was almost darn near non-existent because I had a little thing uh, happen on my computer called my hard drive dying. Uh, we were getting ready to record. You might have noticed, uh, for anyone that listens to the podcast, that we didn't really have an episode this past week, and that's because Brassy's old hard drive decided to just kick the bucket, even though it was relatively new, uh, and let it be a cautionary tale to everybody about uh, having redundant uh, data. Because uh, thank goodness I had made a backup of my system just like a few weeks prior, so we didn't lose much. Uh, but it was uh, a big pain in the behind, and I'm glad that it's over, and everything looks just like it used to be, which is really, really nice. And so uh, after fixing that up, I got to get back into Magic Arena a little bit, and before they got rid of Oko, you know, I said, okay, Oko's leaving. Uh, they're going to get rid of it. I could probably use some wild cards. So I'm going uh, to play Red Black Aristocrats and just dominate all the food decks I can find. So that's what I did. I made, uh, you know, made use of my witch's ovens and a bunch of cats, and just made a deck that was completely designed to crap on Oko decks and best of one. And it was terrible against everything else. But every time an Oko came down, I just I just chuckled a sensible chuckle and enjoyed it just dominating all those decks and best of ones. And I felt good about it because it was a great way to just tell Oko, you're not you, you, no one. No one likes you. No one likes you right now. Go away. We don't need you. And uh, I'm not the only one that had that sentiment because Wizards of the Coast basically just shut up and said, no one likes Oko. We're getting rid of Oko. We're going to toss it away. And that's because we had a ban and restriction announcement. So lots of things to go to this one. There was a lot of talk about what would be banned, what would go away. Um, would it just be one card? Would it be three cards? Would they ban Oko? Would they ban things? Would they ban everything but Oko? 
Um, you know, what about is, uh, and so they came out and finally said, you know what, here you go. And they announced the bands in standard. Cool. Oko, Thief of Crowns, is banned. Once Upon a Time, is banned. Veil of Summer, is banned. Oko is banned in Brawl. Cool. That's awesome. Is that it? Mm-mm. No, they even said, oh, by the way, for Legacy, Ren and Six is gone, and for Vintage, Narset is uh, is now restricted. So they even tossed those two pieces on there about Legacy and Vintage. So this was a, a huge, huge, huge uh, ban announcement, and a lot of people were kind of speculating a little bit about Oko and about Once Upon a Time and Veil of Summer, and even to a lesser extent, Gilded Goose and Nyssa, and let's let's just kind of dig into this a little bit about let's talk about the standard bands first i, I want to get everyone's general impression and then the other question i want to ask the group is uh were these three bands the correct ones and were they enough should we should they have gone even farther because of how insanely powerful green is right now eric you know i want to throw out what your impressions of the bands are but also you know from from a relative new player coming into here um, it seems like banning three cards and like a, a, a really kind of big mythic of the set, uh, that is, that seems, for a standard, that seems relatively huge, um, but necessary at the same time. I mean, it's been a while since since there has been a card that powerful that got banned that quickly uh, in Magic the Gathering. I, I think going back was probably Jace. And so to see the, not just Oko banned, but several green cards banned can you think of a time that one single color had such an impact on a standard meta like that <laughs> uh the last time i could think of was actually back to um affinity um so for those that know me affinity is a uh, a thing that's like near and dear to my heart but um you could just like affinity was super super dominant but there wasn't a lot of different versions of it which i think is where this is more interesting um you can play you know, at the end of the format, you had the Oko Cat deck, you had the Oko Sultai deck, you had the Oko Simic deck, um, you had the Oko Bant deck. So I think that's like kind of where it's a little bit different. And maybe the closest part would be like something like Reflector Mage being put into like a bunch of different shells. Um, but obviously, I think when you talk about power level, Oko is much higher power level than something like Reflector Mage. But that was one of the reasons why they did end up finally getting rid of Reflector Mage, according to their their article that they wrote, was that if you were, you know, anywhere near those colors or you just, like, wanted to be, like, these kind of, like, aggressive, you know, blue-white X decks, you would just put Reflector Mage in there. Or even if you were just, like, a blue-green deck, you would just splash for Reflector Mage so that you could just have that card. And so when you see these cards banned in, in this standard... You know, you've been playing a lot of it, and you've really dug into it. Uh, what's what's your initial impressions of the banning of these three cards? Do you think that they banned the right three? Should they have banned more? You know, what what's your hope uh, for the meta going forward? Uh, I think these are three really good ones. Uh, my prediction was, or my hope, I shouldn't say prediction, um, was Oko was Once Upon a Time, and my last one was Gilded Goose. Um, but I think, the more that I think about it, like I think Veil of Summer is actually... A better band than Gilded Goose um, and Gilded Goose could still have some like really cool um, like can, can have a really cool impact on standard being able to create food for these food decks now that are not necessarily lacking in food but need somewhere to generate food from and then uh, being like a one mana like accelerant of mana but not always an accelerant of mana um, where when it does have Oko it's like an accelerant every single turn so I think I think not banning the goose is cool because you can like do some more like deck mini or deck uh, maneuvering with it. 
um, where I think Veil vale of Summer, um, they had this really cool card, Murderous Rider, which was essentially, you know, Hero's Downfall, but also like a 2-3. But if they Veil vale of Summer your Hero's Downfall, a part of it, or the swift end part of it, then you just lost your 2-3. Um, and which made that card almost unplayable. Not necessarily actually unplayable, but like a lot of the times people would just be, you know, you'd see them on streams or just talking and they'd be, I can't cast Swift End because my opponent has Veil of Summer. I just get totally blown out. So I'm just going to cast it as a 2-3 and they just leave all this value on the table. And then, or they would just get to this point where they're like, all right, I finally have to cast this Swift End. They cast it and then their opponent plays Veil of Summer and then they're basically just out of the game because they tapped three mana and did nothing. Um, so I think that, you know, that and also the the combination with it in Nissa was like impossible to to beat a lot of the times because you they would you would turn your shields down they'd play Nissa they'd untap a force and now you can never kill their Nissa ever again because there's always a force on tap at this point. And Sean, I want your input on this one because looking through the show notes, uh, I kind of was like, hey, what's everyone's thoughts? And your comments were all in capital letters. Uh, which is the universal denotation of, ooh, I'm super excited about this announcement. So uh, what's your impression about uh, the standard bannings or about anything else that you saw in the bands as well? Sure. So, I mean, with standard, I mean, kind of what Hawk was saying, I'm kind of glad green got toned back a little bit. But I think the big changes that I'm most excited about are Ren and Six getting banned in Legacy, which was, honestly, it actually caught me off guard. I didn't think that was even in the realm of possibility. I just didn't think about it. And that's as, as much as legacy is kind of like falling to the wayside uh, with how dominant teamer Delver has been running six, getting the ax finally is like pretty big for that format. Cause it's been such a big proprietor in that format. Uh, also pioneer uh, not getting any changes is pretty awesome for me. I, I'm really exciting how the format's turning out. Yeah. There's some really, broken decks and stuff like that but i mean the format's gonna have powerful decks yet anyway so having a boogeyman in the format with mono green or you know some variation of that's really cool um also they said that caroline you said that there's a ptq every day next week for pioneer right wow way to spoil my segment that I worked <laughs> so hard on preparing. <laughs> Back it up. Okay, I never mentioned that. Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, next week is called Pioneer Week. Actually, since you mentioned the no bans in Pioneer, um, they actually referenced it in the article. So they said, there's no bans this week. We didn't find anything outrageous from the tournaments, uh, which was the SCG Invitational uh, or any PTQs this weekend. And it is likely, though we reserve the right to do so just in case, there will be likely no changes next week as well on the 25th as next week is pioneer week. And I didn't know what that was. And I looked it up and it's, there is a PTQ from Monday, the 25th. Like that is actually the 25th. Uh, yeah. Monday, the 25th, all the way to Sunday, December 1st, every single day. I haven't checked the times. Maybe I can do that while Sean reflects on how exciting that is for him. <laughs> um, but I'm really curious. Cause I would hope that they vary in times. Cause I can't, really play during the day i mean i guess i could maybe once but not every day but maybe they vary the times of them yeah i haven't looked at the times either but since i'm going to columbus over the weekend i have monday tuesday off of work so i might have a good chance to play a pioneer ptq get to play a bad blue white deck so that's exciting but um, okay i got the times if you're if you're okay with being cut off bring it yeah go ahead so they do vary them and boy are they varied okay Monday, November 25th at 5 a.m., Pioneer PTQ number one. This is all Pacific time, I assume. 
is 5 a.m. Pacific like 7 a.m. Central? That's 7 a.m. time. Yeah, 7 a.m. Oh, uh, my. So 6 a.m. my time. Uh, then we got, so we don't need to tell the listeners that. But anyway, Tuesday, November 26th at 9 a.m. Pacific. So that's a, a run-of-the-mill normal time, I would say. Uh, Wednesday, November 27th at 3 p.m. Pacific. Now we're talking. This this is where I can make work for sure. It'll be a late evening, but I'm down for this one. Uh, Thursday, November 28th, again, re- repeating back to, oh, sorry, a new time, 6 a.m. Pacific time, so just all over the place. Uh, Friday, November 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Friday, November 29th, a second one at 11 p.m. Pacific. That one I'm probably bowing out of. <laughs> um, Saturday, November 30th at 7 a.m. And Sunday, December 1st at 6 a.m. So I was right. They really are varying. They are trying to encourage any time zone possible to, to participate in these. Uh, not a lot that I will likely be able to do, but a pretty intriguing idea. I need like a 5 a.m. Central Standard Time one. That one would be nice. Yeah, that would be perfect for you specifically. Conan Hawk yeah. Standard Time. <laughs> CSC Conan Standard Time. <laughs> All joking aside, like Eric, I, I actually do believe that some of these early start ones are a huge benefit to you because you you do wake up earlier than the average human and your like your cognitive function is just gonna be so much higher at that time than anyone else. Oh yeah. It's just gonna be a bunch of people that are like, I guess I can stay up until seven AM. Yeah. Well whatever, it's gonna you be know? you and the European. Yeah, nice. Everyone's going to have, you know, he's going to be the only one with Conan brain at that hour, which is the, the, the high-functioning, high-performance magic player that we all know that he is. Can, can we sell that in a bottle, Conan brain? Oh, that'd be, that'd be crazy. What are you even playing in Pioneer right now, Hawk? Um, I'm playing the Insole Artifact deck, uh, but I do, oh. I do want to test out the Mono Black Aggro deck. I think that Mono Black Aggro deck looks really nice. Yeah, I, uh, I played against the Blue-Red Artifact deck over the weekend, um, they had Hope of Giraper that like bashed me pretty good one game, and then my four last breaths post board really helped a lot. In game uh, two. My my version has Emery in it, so I definitely yeah. I've had a couple of times where I've like cast Hope of, or like attack you with Hope of Giraper, sack Hope of Giraper, cast Hope of Giraper, yeah. and then it's just like this is going to happen for quite some time now. <laughs> I'm filling out my business plan right now for whatever uh, Conan Hawks. Uh, mega brain mindset beverage would be it's really just it's really just relabeled lime sparkling water um but you know for for all that they know it really gives them a leg up in the magic it's got to be just Lacroix, but the like the no flavor flavor the flavorless that is definitely conan's brain (laughs) i'm getting like flashbacks to space jam (laughs) the secret the secret sauce and that yeah. way, and that way, when they complain about it, we can just be like, "Well, look at your magic results. It was in you the whole time." <laughs> and isn't that the real reward? Thanks for all your money. But um, back on to the bands. The last one we kind of just need to touch on real quick is Narset Parter Veils getting restricted in vintage. I don't know how much vintage any of you people play. I have played less than a dozen matches of vintage, and from the sounds of it, people are kind of okay with narsa getting banned narsa getting restricted i have seen multiple like time twister decks that just like locked you out of the game and that's probably not very fun for anyone 
Well, that's my so, my question for anybody to can give me an insight into this into this restriction is the fact that Narset is is a nice card in standard. Uh, even when you know before the standard rotation hit, Narset was was a good card. You put it in like your Jeskai decks. You put it in anything that really ran blue into Esper and that kind of stuff. Um, but to see it make an impact on Vintage, which should technically be the most powerful uh, way to play Magic the Gathering. What is it about Narset that made it so impactful in Vintage while it's just an okay card in Standard? Is it the fact that it just restricts card draw, or is there something more to it? It's just Vintage so, is a totally different beast, man. It's not even real Magic. <laughs> I would. It's the realest Magic, right? Because it's the oldest format. But the um, the reason that it is is like there's there's not a lot of like creature based decks. Um, there are some creature based decks, but um, the other thing is is like your most powerful cards are always like these blue card draw spells. So you're looking at like your ancestral recalls, your brainstorms. Um, you have like ponder preordain, Jataxian probe. Like all these cards are really really powerful blue cards that draw extra cards. And even though some of them are restricted, if you look at a uh, a deck list from vintage, you'll see just a, a ton of um, of like these slots, you know, maybe 20, 30 cards that can draw you extra cards. And then so the second that Narset comes down, it essentially takes all of those cards out of your deck, right? Like they're no longer function the way they're supposed to. And a lot of the decks in Vintage are not prepared to fight Planeswalkers. So when you're not prepared to fight Planeswalkers, you just can't get the Narset off the board. So for the rest of the game, you cannot cast any blue cards in your deck is essentially what it reads. And I mean, that's just, it's like not very fun when you're the second person to get the Narset into play. Um, you, because like the first person to get Narset into play has it in play and the second one has to find an answer to it and you can't do it without either a Narset of your own or casting your blue spells. Um, so that's like the main reason that I, I, I personally, when I was playing Vintage and Narset was kind of running amok. That was the reason that it was like so hard for me to play it. Do you think that it is reasonable that any card that gets banned in Vintage just becomes restricted? Like, at some point, should they just say, never mind, this should just be banned? Um, I think you could probably make an argument for that. Um, just because there's so many tutors and stuff like that, like you can definitely find things. But I think for the most part, Vintage is like I should say most part vintage players are less interested in a totally balanced format they definitely want a, a good format but they don't want it to be like they want you to be able to play like every single card that doesn't say like flip a you know like flip this card or you know wage or something they want to be able to play every single other card like do you feel that they're the restricted part of the ban and restricted announcement is to appease the people that spend a bunch of money on vintage, or do you think it does actually help the format to have one copy of a card instead of four? I think it does help the the format. I think, I think it's, it, I think it's similar in the fact that like, commander players have a huge, and I don't want to make the comparison of like commander and vintage, but I guess I'm going to. Um, the commander players have like, this enjoyment of just like having this one, so the decks are always different, and I think having the resources of all of these cards and like being able to find them with your demonic tutors, your vampiric tutors. I think that's one of the pe things people enjoy out of vintage. They, you know, it's like you can play one ancestral recall and that's fine. Cause you, I don't want you to play four ancestral recalls, but I still want the experience of somebody casting an ancestral recall. If I'm going to play in vintage. And I think that's what it is. It's more, 
I, I think if you were looking for an exactly fair format, I don't think you, I, I think you would just ban a card like Ancestor Recall. But I don't think that's what people want. And I, I could be wrong, but I, I would assume that's like, I, I bring this up a lot when people talk about Legacy. I think Brainstorm should be banned, but then people are like, well, then I'd never play Legacy again because it wouldn't be fun. And it's like, well, but the card, on power level, the card is insane and it should be probably gone. But it, that'll never happen. Yeah, I've just always found this restricted thing very interesting because um, it's weird to me that it's specifically specifically in vintage and in no other format. Like, it's never even talked about. I believe it's just never going to happen that a card would be restricted in a like, modern standard legacy format. So I'm always curious, like, is it just to appease, you know, the small amount of people that play vintage? And my other question was more like, do you think people will have a copy of Narset in their deck still. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely have a copy of Narset in their deck. Um, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's essentially Dig Through Time that has an ability stapled to it that stays on the battlefield. So, I mean, they I would definitely... They can play Dig Through Time. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you could just play both, right? If you really want to. You could play um, Drawn from Dreams. You can play Drawn from Dreams. <laughs> but that one seems a little less good. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think the, the, the biggest part of Narset, I think, is your opponents can't draw extra cards. Uh, you, do get the, you do get two cards, which is insane, um, but not l allowing your opponent to draw extra cards is like really, really powerful. Now we're getting into I've... Caroline Brain type plays right there. The Caroline Brain type plays. <laughs> you want Dig Through Time? Well, have I got a card for you. <laughs> Someone's got Linguini Head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can One do that the... in Standard with Fires. It's free. Yeah. I know. I have. <laughs> I'm currently doing it in a tournament. One of the coolest vintage decks, and probably one of the coolest decks I've ever seen in my entire I saw today 5-0, and it had uh, Echo of Eons, which is the time twister that you can flashback for three mana. And it had Narset and Lion's Eye Diamond, so you could crack LED, discard Echo of Eons, and then cast it, and then Mind Rot, or basically get rid of your opponent's hand. That was pretty awesome. That was a pretty cool deck, I thought. I just just give me just give me a place where like give me a week at a competitive magic spot or even a Friday night magic where it's like listen you can play your standard decks you can play whatever you want uh, but chaos orb is legal and that's all I that's all I want to know is just chaos orb is legal so I can show up with chaos orb and just see what happens. the The question becomes then what are the rules of chaos orb? So I used to play a format that um, once you once you played a card you weren't allowed to move where it was because of chaos orb so like you had to like lay down your permanence in a way that had chaos orb in mind otherwise once i like cast the chaos orb you can't just like spread out all your cards right like it's just like well all your lands are together so i'm just gonna kill all your lands right um which made for very messy board states and i i, I think there's got to be a better rule but I, i'm interested to see what the rule of chaos orb would be okay can we just talk about you know brasky's over here Hold on, I'm putting on a sock. Brasky's over here. Just one single sock. A, cool... a sock. <laughs> I'd already done the other sock. Um, Brasky's over here having a great time. Hey, guys, I have this really funny FNM theory out there. It would be so funny. And then Eric No Fun Hawkins is like, well, we would need to establish the rules of Chaos Orb and to see where cards would go on the field. I love it. I love the both of you so much. <laughs> Conan would put that together. I would unironically play Shahrazad for in like I would have a full play set and just throw that out at people and be like, "Listen, this is what we're doing. We're playing Magic Exception and doing a game within a game, 
and it's going to take four hours, and I'm going to have plenty of fun doing it. I, I actually have a story about Shahrazad as well. We're, we're going with it. That's what this is going on today. There's a bunch of bans and restrictions. We're talking about Chaos Orb. What's your Shahrazad story? another article we have to talk about, but no. <laughs> Screw it. Stories. Yeah. So the, the Shahrazad story is, is that when Shahrazad was banned a long time ago from Legacy, there used to be a rule that you could wish for cards outside of the game, right? Exiled from your game. So I built a mono, well, in quotes, like a mono white control deck that was splashing for Burning Wish. And like in it, I was like playing like Rune of Protection Red and just like pre-boarded and everything like that. And I ended up going to a Shinders where they only played a 45 minute round. So if you, you could go to time really easily. And I played with four Shahrazads in my list. And I ended up going undefeated that day, 4-0 in both matches and games. I thought you were gonna be like I went undefeated O and O. I played I played seven games. I won none, but I lost none at the same time. <laughs> that would be O O and seven. <laughs> well, you know we can understand the reasoning why something like Chaos Orb and Shahrazad are no longer played. We can understand the reasoning why Oko is no longer in standard and why a lot of those other bannings are going on. But we got a, a nice little in depth piece into play design. Uh, and that was from uh, Brian Hawley, who is the, the the lead of the play design team at Magic the Gathering. And he kind of he released an article uh, at the same time as the ban and restrictions came out, saying uh, play design lessons learned. And and this, this is what I like a lot about uh, when designers of the game come in and say we made a mistake, but also here's what we learned. Let's talk about the positives of how we're moving forward with this whole spot. And they basically kind of laid everything out of the fact that. You know, there was a period of time between Battle of Zendikar and Corset 2019 where Standard was a pretty low power level, and they kind of made uh, a, a definite step uh, after that, you know, starting with uh, Return to Ravnica, that they were going to kind of kick the power level up a little bit. And in doing so, you got to see some of the fruits of that labor, and they kind of re- they came back to the, they have this fire philosophy that magic should be fun, inviting, replayable, and exciting. And uh, as such, they, they took some risks. They upped the power level of a lot of things, and we saw the good parts of that. We saw the bad parts of that as well. Um, but then they kind of got to Throne of Eldraine and said that Throne of Eldraine is really on the higher end of the power level, but still a power level that we want to be pushing and a power level that we want to be at. That said, Oko was a mistake. It, it went through, and then they they went on and talked about the different iterations of Oko and how... Um, basically it, it kind of went, uh, the skull clamp route of, of maybe it was so late in the design phase that they made some changes and ended up forgetting about some stuff, just didn't have time to play test it. And they made one of the most broken cards in standard history. Uh, they came back and said, well, here's the lessons that we've learned. And a lot of the lessons that they talked about was, um, what happens when you, when you see how weak a color is and you shift the pendulum too far as we saw with green they talked about um how how delicate they might be in the future with three mana planeswalkers they talked about uh, just how they want to see the metagame shift while also talking about at the same time the in a sense how they they always want to push the power level they don't want they don't want standard to be that low a power level uh, anymore so they're always going to be kind of watching and listening to see how things are going on they think throne of eldraine was the right power level but they do think oko was a mistake there's a lot of stuff they touched on with this article and i want to get y'all's uh, interpretation and and opinion for those of us that that read that article uh so who you know anybody wants to step up and kind of talk about 
what they took away from the, the, the play design lessons learned. Yeah, I'll kind of start it off and then we can, you know, volley back and forth. But this is kind of touching on what I've said in the past where Wizards is taking more and more risks with their play design space with card design and power level. And this kind of just reiterates what we as Magic players are kind of, you know, realizing. And I think it's actually a really exciting direction for Magic. I mean, I've been playing Magic for like seven or eight years now, not nearly as long as some of the other people in this podcast and as a competitive magic player i've had a lot more fun in the last two years playing magic than i have in the five years prior to that i think part of that is due to the power level of the cards you know we've seen cards like dig through Triumph and treasure cruise which at the time were i mean they're still pretty powerful to this day but it's still it's exciting that they're able to push the envelope so much and then yeah they're making mistakes like they said with oko but i'm kind of excited to see what the next oko card is that might not be you know broken but it's like a staple kind of like fatal push was or something like that so i'm excited to see where the design goes over the next couple of years yeah just talking about that a little bit too i'm i i kind of agree with like you on that like some of the takeaways that i had from that article is that I'm I'm actually glad that they're pushing, you know, they're pushing for a stronger standard. And I think without that, the standards would be, like you said, like you weren't having as much fun at the beginning as you are now. And the price, I mean, is obvious right now, right? The price is that you have to ban a card like Oko, Once Upon a Time, you know, Veil of Summer. But I think if they weren't doing that, we might not have been as excited to play standard. Uh, like at the beginning of like everybody was super super hyped at the beginning of Throne of Eldraine and I think that's the reason why is because like not only was the the flavor really good but the cards were exciting um, and yeah I think I, th- I think they're going to have more more times like this not necessarily this ba- like you know where they have to ban three cards but there's going to be cards that they're going to push a little too hard and I think that's going to be fine um, I'm just like hoping that it's less often than it seems to have been recently. Also, I mean, the memes are pretty fire when cards get out of hand. So that's always too. The memes well, were solid with this. I can guarantee you, I have, I have done a lot of research on this, Sean. Magic Twitter will always have memes, and Brasky will always show us his cat while recording. But trust me, we don't have to have weird bannings or overpowered cards for Magic Twitter to have the memes. So don't have, don't have worries about that, Sean. But I have things to say. John, or Sean really wanted to say this joke, and so I didn't get to say my things. But I'm gonna say them. Um, I agree with what you're saying, Eric. I understand that you're you're saying, well, we have a really cool thing. Uh, it's you know the because we have the cool thing, they sometimes make small mistakes that um, are more uh, obvious because of they're pushing the power levels of all the cards. Um, but I would argue, Eric, that if that is their goal, that's the goal they've set uh, in the last four years. Is that how long it's been since Emrakul was banned? I'm not uh, quite... Four, maybe three, three and a half. Years. That was Eldritch yeah. Moon, so I can look it up. It's probably been about three years now. And, and the reason I bring that up is because that is actually the article. That is the last time that, that they have posted a, hey, we we messed up. Ooh, I almost, ooh, I almost swore. Um, that would have been a big one too. We got, we got, that's we got the close last to a bleep. They, 
<laughs> that they really let loose and they're like, hey, this is what we did. And we've now created this new play design, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the last like really notable we messed up time. So if that is really their intention to, to fire up standard <laughs> and increase the power level, then they need to take on the responsibility and they need to be better when they're testing those cards. I don't think it's acceptable, Eric, to just say, well, now that we're getting cooler standards and we're all really excited, we have to deal with the consequences. That's not how it works. Well, if they, they well, want to have a more powerful standard, they need to deal with it. Better. Were they were they at the same time? Whoa. Were they spreading themselves too thin? I mean, you had Modern Horizons, you had this set, you had I mean, they were releasing a lot of sets at a lot of different times. Do you think that they maybe from a playtesting and design like checking every like all the boxes and stuff, did they spread themselves a little too thin with the amount of stuff that they were releasing? Yeah, that's definitely a factor, especially because Modern Horizons, while while doing the same thing that you know Eric has potentially talked about, like pushing that envelope, trying to make things more exciting, they have also they made some grievous mistakes in there too. Um, but I really think Eric, they need to just be better. Like I think it's well, not as simple as. I definitely agree there. the 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 one thing they did say in the article, and I, I should have brought this point up, was that they did say that they they need to uh, use the play design team as also not just like or like as a I can't remember the exact wording, but as both a design team and a playtesting team and not just. Well, is that what they said? I I interpreted that paragraph to say we've currently been, we have to, we're reminding you that we are a design team and that the play stuff is secondary is what how I interpreted that article. Like I felt that that was a little bit of a, oh, don't forget we are mostly design over here. So, you know, some of the play stuff slips by. The direct I didn't like that. Yeah, the direct thing they said was that we do a great deal of playtesting and we are ultimately responsible for the power level of cards, but the result of any playtesting needs to be choosing what power level things should be. We design and redesign cards, change play patterns, and tackle design challenges at the card, deck, mechanic, and format level to try and make our constructed formats play well. That's kind of the big section that they put in there. Yeah, I, maybe I, I interpret that different than you, Eric. I. I feel like that to me was a cop-out paragraph as opposed to a, we need to add play to our team. I think that's a that's really fair. good, yeah, I think that's a good viewpoint. Cause I mean, maybe we are just cutting him like, maybe I'm just cutting him too much slack and saying that I think it's cool, but maybe, yeah, maybe it is just, we need to not be letting him get away with this. <laughs> well, like, okay. Oh, I should clarify. Like I, I got very passionate. I really enjoy standard and I really enjoy when, envelopes are pushed and new things are are brought up my favorite thing to usually converse with friends about is like when a standard card goes into modern i actually for some reason find that really fascinating and i love the fact that i could be playing in a card in standard and it's like medium to okay and then it's just busted in in modern and i think that's cool and i, I love that puzzle but what i'm saying here is like i don't believe it's okay to use that as an excuse like oh they're pushing envelopes so sometimes one envelope might like be sent out broken it sounded like they were throwing play testing under the bus because like th then they went on to be like listen we're working <laughs> it was basically he, the like person a who wrote the article works for play design so i i don't know he, he was the, the one he the was, one thing i haven't brought up yet is once upon a time was not in that article and that is egregious yeah once upon a time that was the card that when i was like my hope for all of the formats is like i'd been playing a bunch of standard a little bit of pioneer and some modern and I was like, I think Once Upon a Time needed to leave literally every single format um, because it just makes it makes for the green decks like your hands are incredible with that card. 
and um, I think it also rewards you for mulliganing. And I mean, you should be like you—you you are kind of rewarded for mulliganing in the, with the London mulligan, but it like amplifies that by like ten. It's just crazy how good Once Upon a Time makes your mulligan hands and your keep hands. And like just because like a lot of the times in these decks, like you know these combo decks, uh, especially in like modern and pioneer, it's like all I need is you know my mono green devotion deck. I have the burning tree. I have the Lana War Elf. Uh, but all I need is the Nykthos, and now I get five looks at it plus my draw step uh, when I keep this hand. So, like, the hand's just incredible, and I, I think that's, like, something that the other colors don't get, and I think that's why one of the things that, why we see so many green decks in in both Modern and in Pioneer. Something that stood out to me was, and, the, and maybe the one part, like, it, I was very, I appreciated the insight of the article, but there was the only part of the article that made me go, aw, was they also talked about their... Uh, especially in the past standard year or so, uh, their their want and experiment of specifically designing cards that uh, they phrased it as calling back to the previous year's themes, when really I interpreted it as making some of your really cheap, useless cards actually good for once. Um, specifically when they printed Field of the Dead so that Scape Shift was actually good in standard. And so they talked about how, you know, they they were designing cards kind of knowing full well that there would there would be cards from that would be rotating soon but that were a part of the the past year in standard that kind of reinvigorated those cards and some people i that i saw a lot of people feel uh very in agreement with their new stance and other people would be like oh, i don't know about that i like having uh old cards that weren't any good all of a sudden be good for a little bit uh and so that was one thing that stood out to me and i i want to know how how everyone else kind of feels about that. Cause I was a little disappointed with that. I, I kind of want sets to come out and reinvigorate old cards, even if they are going to leave standard very soon. Caroline, what do you think? Um, so it's funny. I have a very different stance on that. So you highlighted feel the dead and scape shift. Um, so how I see that, what, what that paragraph and that kind of side of things to me is saying, Hey, we brought feel the dead. We tested it with scape shift. Cause that's the card we intended you to play with. And then it didn't occur to us that you would still play with this card with something else that was very good, a.k.a. Golos. And the issue I have here is this is, again, an, an, a paragraph that's saying, hey, this is what we were thinking, as opposed to, oh, we should have been thinking this. And and I know this article is meant to be like, hey, this is what we learned. I felt like, again, they aren't highlighting what they learned. They're, they said, oh, just so you know, like we really wanted to make this cool scape shift card cool. So that's why we gave you this this land. We we kind of, you know, also maybe should have thought about testing it in the current set it was in. I, I would, That's the issues I have. I would go along with the – because I do think they learn from it. But the thing I don't like what they learn from it is what they're – what they kind of said they they didn't just say what they learned but the kind of actions that they're taking going forward it would be one thing if they said hey you know we made feel the dead knowing it'd be good with scape shift we learned that we should really think about the future implications after scape shift is gone and we will do that with our testing going forward instead they said hey we didn't think about how feel the dead would play going forward and instead of incorporating that into our play testing going forward we're just really not going to focus on that like we we aren't going to make that a part of our game design philosophy anymore uh that was the one thing that made me uh kind of go oh that that's kind of a bummer instead of just saying hey we're going to do more to think about the future implications of standard with cards that we harken back to uh instead they said 
we found that to be really, really, we found that, you know, when the standard year rotated, it was still feel of the dead decks. So now we're just, we're not going to focus on that in play design. And that was the thing that kind of bummed well, me out. And I actually believe that that is a, an opposite like effect because what, what I'm arguing here is like, Hey, we made card a so that it would, it would work with something that was from the past. And we were super excited. We tested that something and it was awesome. We forgot to test it with the thing that it also came out with or around the same time. So what we would want in a perfect world is they to say, oh, going forward, we will do both past testing. So with Scapeshift, we'll test. And we'll make sure that, you know, whatever else is around is also balanced. But instead, what they're doing now is they're saying, we're not going to try to do cool things with old cards. So they might accidentally release a card that is good with, like, the card that they already released. Like, they might miss something again if they do that so that's also bad they shouldn't just cut i don't know i'm i'm eric right now very pessimistic i was very confused uh as to what you were saying until the last 30 seconds so i'm really glad you kind of cleared that up at the end and when i i guess i missed misunderstood that earlier but if they're not going to test field of the dead with scape shift but they're going to test Field of the Dead with Golos. Well, okay. That feels well, like it could just be I, a Feldar Guardian thing again. It's not clear that's what they meant. I think <laughs> what they more mean is they're not going to think, oh, we have Scape Shift. What could we do to bring this card into standard? Which is, I believe, what they did with Field of the Dead. Yeah. They're Got like, it. hey, we printed Scape Shift two years ago. It's chilling in standard. How could we make it cool? And instead, they're just going to not do that. And so I don't necessarily believe they would print field of that in that scenario going forward i'm just saying that that could cause some errors if they don't think of the past i liked them thinking about the past just also the future, the present would be nice too yeah i wonder how much time they get to actually play test all this stuff right because i think if they want to make a card that's good inside of just the set i think that like i mean i don't know how much time that takes but then they should like play it in all versions of the standard that they could possibly play it in, right? And I think that's something they should do is like Feel the Dead should get play tested with the uh the the scapeshift cards, but then it should also get play tested with itself. I, I think all of those points are right. Like those all make sense to me, right? Um so I guess like what I'm I'm kind of just like enforcing kind of what you're or reinforcing what you're saying is like they sh it should be played with all possible versions of standard. Well, that is hard if you think about it. Like, um, like, like you're you're imagining a world where they go, okay, here's some new cards with. Let's play it where all the standard sets, including Scape Shift, are in it. Okay, now let's cut out Scape Shift. It's post rotation. Like, if they have to do that for every card for every deck, that would take too long. And even from a play design standpoint, you get into the digital realm, not just Arena, but also uh, MTGO. You know, it's it's one of those things that that people always point out, like the day of a of a new set release on a digital platform compared to a paper platform. Uh, even if it was just an all digital platform, is that the design team is like, hey, awesome! Within the first, you know, six to ten hours of the release of this, uh, players will have already played, you know, three times more games than the entire playtesting team because of the sheer amount of hands that are being played and the sheer size of it. So I can understand the difficulty. Uh, that would go behind playtesting, something like that. I just, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think we all had reservations over uh, pieces of that article, but at the same time, I was really appreciative of having an article like that that really dug into 
what their design philosophy was and what happened and what hopefully will happen going forward in the future. I, I'm at least very appreciative of the insight of something, even if that insight doesn't make me super thrilled with the state of the game uh, going forward, uh, but also doesn't make me super bummed either. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting thing that they're willing to kind of open up a little bit and, you know, give us the dirty secrets that how they're thinking. I really think that's a cool way for them to handle that kind of situation going forward where in six months, if this did happen again, like they could set the precedent that this is something they're willing to do. And that's really awesome. I think that they're willing to do something like this. Yeah. Overall, I'm okay. You don't sound like it. I guess I'm fine. I'm very all right. Very much enjoy the game of Magic the Gathering. I very much enjoy Standard, and I still will in the future. But it is possible that we are anomalies. That's not even close. Anomalies? Yeah. We're outliers that, you know, they are going to lose people over this. And it may not be a large number, but if this happens every three months, you know, just said. That's going to be significant, and I'm just concerned for the future. I will, you know, I I totally agree with that, but I also give a slight counterpoint to that. It was the fact that, you know, people say that, you know, banning a card like this, especially from a card investment, you know, how much cards are worth, how much cardboard is worth standpoint, that, yeah, this really shakes consumer confidence. But for me, it actually, I actually gained confidence as a consumer into the game because in the Oko meta, especially in something like Magic the Gathering Arena, I played near zero of standard because of how much I hated that format. And now with the banning of that, I feel very much inclined to open that client up, spend some gems and maybe do some other things with it. It looks like Caroline is about to light you up right now. I'm no. just saying. <laughs> I'm Guns no. out. Let's go. I totally appreciate your new approach to this. And I was there with you, buddy. I was there with you, you know, four or five years ago when the first, you know, standard ban in forever happened. And then the next standard ban happened shortly after that. And then after that. And then Ferocidon was banned for some reason. Like, it it is getting to me as a consumer and I am happy to keep playing, but eventually my optimism may wear out and that's what I'm fearful of. That's so interesting because I'm used to, again, you know, we, I come from a lot of different digital card games. I'm used to very frequent balance changes and shifts and, and take this card out and put these cards in or even add a whole small group of cards and that kind of stuff. I'm used to constant balance changes. So for something like this, I think, okay, cool. I can enjoy standard again. I that And I appreciate your perspective because I haven't thought that part of my brain hasn't ticked off, especially in a physical card game and like that. So it's interesting for me at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's actually really cool. And I, and I think that could be one of the benefits to having arena out there right now is that there are a lot more consumers and they are maybe potentially more like Brasky than they are like Caroline. And that could be very positive. So I, I am just cautiously optimistic that all is well and we'll see how it goes. I mean, one reason I love magic is I'm from, I played a lot of league of legends, you know, as a teenager and in my early twenties and you had to deal with, literal every monday you were getting balance changes like percentages and stuff like that so not having to deal with something that frequent in magic is kind of refreshing to me because you know the testing i did two weeks ago is probably still relevant 
um, today. But like Caroline was saying, these bannings, like they become more and more frequent. And I could see this being a problem if, you know, if this is par for the course for the next couple of years, I'm a little, I'm a little scared for magic, I guess, is to put it bluntly. Eric, what's your sage advice? Uh, I mean, I just, my hope is, is that the, what we learned article, you know, they, they take a lot away from that and they can fix what they're, what they've been doing wrong with like, particularly like this set. Right. Because I, I agree. If you keep doing these standard bannings, why would I, you know, as a new player, get excited to buy cards right away? It's like, I learned my lesson last time. I got super excited. The Yoko deck was super good. I was having fun with it. And then you took it away from me. And now I don't have cards to play with anymore, right? So that 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 story, you know, if you're a new player, that's just awful. And I think... Um, I think that's like one way to lose the interest and the uh, possibly a brand new player in Magic. So I, th I think, I mean, obviously the bannings are just kind of a bad thing, but they're like necessary, but hopefully they don't keep being necessary. You know, and, and I will agree with that point as well from a, from a new player and from a digital player standpoint of, uh, of that. You say what you want about my personality and how you feel about me as a human being. But when I was, uh, you know, a pretty free-to-play player in Magic, the one good standard deck that I could make and play best of one on because I was didn't have time to do a bunch of traditional best of threes was a Nexus of Fate deck. And then when they banned Nexus of Fate from best of one, I go, great. I invested all of my wild cards and stuff into this deck. Now it's gone. Why should I even play anymore? And there was a time that I did feel that way. So that is definitely a valid point too. And I think that the points that we make and the insight that we have is something that we can all appreciate. But these bannings and these announcements and these insights into play design uh, revolve around a handful of cards that are now gone, including Oko and a lot of green. And a lot of that was evident uh, because of what we saw in MC6 and in, into Mythic Championship at Richmond. And what we saw was a, a darn near unprecedented state in terms of representation of, of it was something like what what was it, it was something like usually something's an issue when it's like 42 percent of of the field and in the case of like oko decks or green decks in general wars it was almost like 70 percent of the field was it had it was had a, those it, cards. it was a according to frank carson it was a nice metagame because oko was 69 percent of the format wow uh not according to the article that came out today, and I was upset. It said just less than 70%, and I was so mad. <laughs> Say it, you cowards. Say it. <laughs> oh I was, like, yelling. I was, like, yelling at the article. <laughs> well, regardless of the actual amount, that is still an unprecedented amount of representation uh, that we saw at MC6. And luckily, we had two people directly involved with this podcast that were at MC6 for different reasons, and and one of them being... The Mighty Linguini on the coverage team, and another being Conan Hawk on the whole participant side of things. So, uh, Caroline, let's start with you real quick. You work the coverage team. Um, I saw you checking life counters and life totals. I saw you uh, sitting there like you had you had great. Uh, you know, you had this. It's 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 business face. It's all about just working the <laughs> tournament, making sure everyone's doing what they need to do. Uh, except towards the end. Uh, when I also saw you out, like out there on the stage, giving mad hugs to the players that were out there, and the hug game was strong. But tell us about your coverage uh, experience while you were at MC6 at FC Richmond. 
Um, well, I had a blast. So my role that weekend was uh, listed as spotter. Uh, spotters, basically, uh, there are four to five positions of spotter. Um, the basic ones include holding an iPad behind a player uh, and searching for each card as they draw it, and then uh, you kind of click on it, and it updates an interface that other parts of coverage have access to, uh, and they end up kind of deciding if it goes on the, the stream or uh, the uh, commentators can see it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so there's spotter one and spotter two. Spotter one does life totals as well as cards, and then spotter two just does cards, which I did a lot because the life totals plus cards was kind of a lot. Um, and that's kind of where I've spent most of my weekend. I Actually, we had an extra person kind of shadowing a lot of people, which is kind of cool. Um, there's also another position where we they sit at a, f a fixed feature match area that will be called Time Walk. Uh, so you don't have to do canned, uh, cameras, or sorry, um, hand cams, but you do have to sit with a laptop and update life totals in like the spreadsheet thing. Uh, that one was quite interesting because you could, weirdly, you could pay better attention to the game because you weren't, you know, pulling away each time to be like, oh, what card did they have? What card did they draw? Whereas you could actually focus on the game. And I think I did my best, like, observing and watching um, Magic during the times I was at the uh, time walk matches. Uh, but the only stress there is if you mess up in life totals or in any sort of information that you're displaying, they can't fix it because nobody notices until it's on stream and the commentators are commentating on it. So that's kind of stressful. So there's a little bit of higher, like, don't mess up, don't mess up. Uh, and then there's also, there was a person who was kind of controlling the feature match area and uh, they were wearing a headset. I never ended up trying out that position, but that, that position was pretty cool. It involves a lot of like knowing what's going on um, and just kind of monitoring all the different matches. Uh, and then there's also one extra job that I never got to do because Stan Sifka loves it so much that he just did it all weekend, but he sits in the back kind of behind the stage and he decides what you as the viewer sees side panels which is super cool so he decides if you see the hand cams he decides if you see like the card that the co uh, commentators are talking about so if they're talking about once upon a time he'll put up a copy of once upon a time on the screen um so he kind of monitors all of that and it was cool. I, I really enjoyed getting to know um kind of the ins and outs of of things like the stream coverage uh and also who to blame if wrong things go wrong that's fun so next time um, i watch a coverage piece and and i see like an overlay that's not correct or, or a card not posted correctly i can just immediately blame stan sifka that's what you're saying yeah of course yeah he's probably still there right now they might have just left him it's really um so that was really fun and then it also uh i kind of said it earlier but i really felt like i have never watched magic in such a way as i did this that past weekend um both monitoring the the hand, like making sure I knew what card they drew, um, but during moments where they weren't playing a card from their hand or I didn't have to update the, the iPad, I could really watch the game. And I was doing a lot of like, this is what I would do in my in that person's shoes. Like I would think, okay, I'm going to play the the questing beast here. And then the opponent would like tap out and play Nessa. And I'd be like, okay, interesting. And like, sometimes I would strongly disagree with their their moves sometimes i would be like wow i'm an idiot okay cool <laughs> um so it was really fun like i really felt like i have never watched magic at that level before because when i turn on coverage like i'm playing arena or i'm sitting on the couch on my phone like the attention level was so different so that was very cool the top eight in particular was just insane to watch like the two matches i recall uh speaking you you were saying earlier that i had a very good 
kind of game face. Um, I was actually terrified that I didn't have a game face because there was I was there in person when Oscar played the Veil of Summer into um, into uh, Andre was Aether. casting Aethergust on Verask on the stack, and so Oscar went okay. Uh, in response, I'll cast Veil of Summer, which doesn't work, and I was so scared that my face was like reacting in some way i was very terrified about it and then later on i was watching paulo play sebastian in the semis and paulo attacked with the island which was like an insane bluff there's actually like videos from uh spurling about how crazy the bluff was paulo's got on record to say after that it was dumb and he shouldn't have done it um and i was in that like i was standing there in that moment and i was like gosh caroline do not react do not react do not react it was insane it was very funny because I actually spend a lot of effort both in streaming and podcasting and just communicating with uh, the managed community in general with a lot of emoting. I'm a very emotive person. And so it's very weird to be in a position where I could not emote in any way. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, yeah, I have other stories, but we can, we can hear from Eric for now if you want. Yeah, Eric, talk a little bit about your participation uh, playing in MC Richmond. You know, what one the deck you played your prep going into it and and kind of what you discovered uh as as you played uh in that mythic championship uh yeah so most of my prep was done on my stream um and you know playing all the various decks including uh, including the oko decks um we did say that there was a huge percentage of oko decks and i did expect that uh that percentage i actually expected that percentage to possibly be higher um, going into it, which uh, might have been crazy on my part, but I, I was like, I, I think I might be the only person in the MC that's not going to register an Oko deck, um, which obviously was not true. Um, so I ended up registering Green White Adventures with a tiny splash for uh, Blue, so I could play Disdainful Stroke. Uh, one of the cards that was new out of the Oko decks was um, Massacre Girl. Uh, Massacre Girl is insanely good against my strategy so the best card that i could find against it was disdainful stroke it also had some nice applications in against decks like fires uh, of invention so i felt really are very 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 good about the deck um unfortunately i ended up going uh, five and five with the deck um but i did have a positive record against oko which was four and two so i guess had i um had I predicted correctly and I was the only person not playing, perhaps I would have had a slightly better record. Um, and then my other my other prep was done mostly on Magic Online, which was for draft. And unfortunately, or for fortunately, my my first draft went great. I went two and one with my only loss coming to the second uh, Realm Cloak Giant uh, casting off his cloak uh, twice. I did not play around the double white mythic rare. <laughs> and then um, in day two, um, I my pod was very very good even though I ended up in four and four in day one, and um, I just kind of got my draft derailed. I I took like a a pretty good card at pack or pick one pack one in Piper of the Swarm, and then I got like another black card, and then I ended up getting like a white card after that, and then I should have just went into white at that point, but instead uh, kind of got sidetracked. I was like maybe I could be green black, and I kind of like kind of hung around a little too long but had i just like saw the white signals moved into white i think i would have had a pretty good mono white or mostly white uh deck and um 
unfortunately my my second draft went oh three so i ended up on the day or i ended up at the pta at seven or sorry the mc at seven and nine um but overall i think it's probably the most exciting and fun tournament that i've ever played the like having so much on the line uh at each game or each match was awesome seeing all the people talking to like you know ben uh one of our teammates that was also there uh he went i believe nine and seven i believe or maybe it was ten and six um he had a positive record uh he, he did cash uh he did awesome so like you know sharing his experience uh tanya who was over on the gp side of it i got to like walk over to her talk to her so it's just like really cool to have like everybody there having a lot of fun with like friends and stuff like that but also just like then coming back and then just like back to business and just like everything was basically exactly how i would like to play magic where you know there's high stakes on the line on every single match and everyone's there and you know playing their best playing their best deck and then also really focused on just playing magic which for me is my favorite my favorite way to play magic and knowing you know how the results ended up from the constructed side um if you could do it again would you have played a food deck and if not would you have just made some slight changes to your adventure deck or would you have gone with like gruel what what would you have done knowing the representation that was going in there what what do you think you would have played uh, if I had a, if I, if I could have had the access to the Gruel Adventure deck, I think I would probably have registered that. Um, I think that is a, a deck that would have lent itself to like the, the strengths that I, I, you know, feel like I have, um, which is like through combat and stuff like that. Um, I think the, the next best deck was probably, or the next, or the best deck in the, in the field was the, uh, the cat food deck. Um, but I don't think I would want to play something like that just because there's just so much going on. The, t- the time goes long. There's, you know, wait, like, I don't think I would have enough time to learn it well enough where the Gruel deck I could just, like, pick up and play. People are calling it the cat food deck, and I just, I want to call that deck Fancy Feast. Every last bit of me. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm playing Fancy Feast. What are you playing? Green Blue Adventures? I mean, that's a That's a silly name. I'm playing Fancy Feast. If you uh, if you build it and you you play it, you can call it whatever you want. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna be changing. I'm gonna be changing standard as we know it. Winning winning all types of FNMs. I'm gonna win some some PTQs. I'm gonna win whatever I want. Playing fancy feast deck. But while you know you two were raising raising a ruckus at MC6 and MC Richmond, uh, Sean Gallagher, Mr. Toolshed, was blazing a trail as a pioneer. As he was touching on that format and discovering more, because you've you've really taken a shining uh, to that format. And so, you know, what have you done uh, during MC Six and even over, you know, the, the extra weekend that we had on top of it? Talk a little bit about your your dive into the Pioneer format as you continue on that journey. Yeah, I like I said before, I played a Pioneer tournament again, had a great time casting blue and white spells, no creatures at all in my main deck. So that's pretty exciting. I played. Um, a lot of good decks. I mean, I played the Bant Ramp deck, played mono, played against Mono Green, the Mono Black deck. Um, so I played some real matchups. I ended up making top eight with a three-one-one uh, record. I had an unintentional draw in round one. No, it's pretty unfortunate. Um, but I was able to make top eight and then end up losing in top eight to the eventual winner of the tournament. So I had a lot of fun there. Um, cast a lot of big revelations. Um, and then also preparing my modern deck for 
the GP or the Magic Fest coming up this weekend, which is Magic Fest Columbus. So I'll be playing as much devoted druid combo as possible this week. You know, with the blue splash, with some Okos, maybe some other blue cards in my deck, but definitely getting the list nailed down hopefully by Thursday or Friday to get ready for the PTQ and then the Magic Fest as well. So I had a pretty good weekend overall. Um, played a decent amount of Magic, but I'm mostly excited to play Modern this coming weekend in Columbus with a couple of my teammates, and including maybe Hawk. He may, he might be might or might not be there, so... Leave it to uh, leave it to Mr. Toolshed to be like, hey, you know, we spend the entire time talking about how happy we are Oko's gone, and then we get to Sean, and he's sitting there just being like, hey, what are you looking forward to this next time? Oh, I'm looking forward to Oko. That's what I'm casting doing. Oko. That's that's always great. Well, whether you're going to be casting Oko in a different format that's not standard, uh, or enjoying your chance to go on to the next Mythic Championship, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can do to get better at magic. There's a lot of things we can do to be learning it, or as we like to say, to get lit. Because we there's always something to learn. There's always something you can get better at as we play this game. And so that's what I want to know. And that's what really my favorite part of doing this podcast is, is learning each of y'all's perspectives of what's the one thing you're doing to get better at magic. And for me, uh, the one thing that I'm going to do uh, to get better at magic is just to dig into what is essentially a brand new standard. Uh, Field of the Dead is gone. Oko and a bunch of other cards are now gone. So now I get to really see uh, maybe there's a, a good deck out there that really uh, piques my interest, that tips my fancy. Hopefully it's Jeskai, maybe it's Esper. I don't know. That's kind of what I like to live at. I'm kind of that type of player. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what standard can bring us. Sean, what, 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 what do you have to say about this right now? First of all, you said tip your fancy. Wouldn't you just have said a fancy? I'm just saying. A fancy what now? a fancy feast it's true it's true <laughs> it's true if only there i need to find a good standard deck that has the word feast in it so i can incorporate Wait. it with a with a cat oven deck we know it's tickle your fancy right yes it okay. is yes that's I, not what you said though no i took peak your interest and tickle your fancy and took it into peak your fancy okay <laughs> <laughs> you, people hopefully folks will undermint what i stood Uh, uh, so yeah mainly this week uh to get ready for columbus uh, a teammate and i are going to be playing a lot of the he's going to be playing the urza deck and i'll be playing against that (laughs) he's going to be playing the urza deck which is one of the best decks in modern right now and i'll be playing druid against him um, just trying to get a lot of reps in the matchup, understanding how the matchup's supposed to play out, how it plays out, and sideboarding, and you know, getting my sideboard guide ready for this weekend. So that's how I'm getting, you know, learning this weekend is just going to be spending time grinding against the Urza deck. I like it. I like it, Caroline. What are you doing to get better at Magic? Well, I don't have anything on the radar. Um, it did just occur to me that we're on the date of November 18th, which means don't have a lot of time to level up in the arena is disappointing because this will be month two in a row not hitting mythic um but we're not dead i guess maybe i can power through it this weekend um we do in my plans to get better to kind of explore standard is really just watch a lot of streams. um i know that tomorrow and wednesday are twitch rival days it's a pretty interesting format uh a lot more uh players than usual in these tournaments and it's over two days uh so it's pretty interesting i'm pretty excited to take a peek and to see what people are doing is eric are you competing in twitch rivals this tomorrow i will be competing in twitch rivals so by the time 
this airs, oh, yeah. hopefully I will have won Twitch Rivals. Hopefully. Yeah, and preemptive well, congratulations on the amazing job you did winning Twitch Rivals. <laughs> Do you, Are you going to delete that out if that doesn't happen? Do you want to also say condolences as well, and then you can pick... Yeah, uh, you yeah, can just edit it. Yeah, so this is what we'll do. We'll do a little bit of a mixture of everything. So um, we'll do condolences. So three, two, one. You know, wow. Oh, uh, Conan, shucks. just unlucky. You flooded out <laughs> so badly. And and there's there's nothing you can do, right? There's nothing you can do at that point. Okay. I tried my best. And now let's do the one where he uh, completely punted the game away. Three, two, one. <laughs> you know, I would not have made that play. Um, I thought it was interesting when... You, you you did make that play. Uh, Caroline was just, she's still laughing at that whole thing. <laughs> Sean uh, tweeted about it several times, then deleted the tweets, but then the screenshots got posted and so forth and so forth. Listen, everyone makes mistakes, Conan. It's fine. You're going to be okay. I thought we needed a punt of the week, yeah. so I was trying to help Ooh. out. Yeah. We, we really appreciate it. We've been, we've been lacking on the punts of the week, so we really appreciate we the work actually. that you did during Twitch Rivals was putting that together. Um, I think we covered all bases. Is there any other base we need to talk to about Twitch Rivals? Is there any other scenario that we can think of? Um, mm. Eric's computer not turning on tomorrow morning. Yeah, okay, so Eric's computer not turning on in three, <laughs> two, one. Hey, man, listen, I, of all people, know what it's like for your computer to crap out on you. So, you know, I was really impressed that you had a fire extinguisher on hand to put out the fire <laughs> after your power supply blew up. So, I mean, hats off to you. You might not have been prepped for, twi- for Twitch Rivals, but you're prepared for your computer to blow up on you. I'm not now, prepared now for I'm my computer. Now I have a fire extinguisher because it's Me like, too. now it's preordained. It's all preordained of what's going on. Oh, man. Well, whether or not you're going to learn uh, about fire safety or you're going to learn about uh, the right amount of lands to put in your deck, there's always something to be learning with Magic the Gathering. But there's always going to be different types of events coming up. Uh, beyond Twitch Rivals, there's a lot of other things on the horizon. Not the modern horizons, but the horizon of events at Magic the Gathering. And Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini, is going to run us through where in the world Caroline's going to be, but also what else is happening in Magic the Gathering for the next week or so. Um, well, first, I would like to register my um, annoyance with Sean stealing my thunder. I only have one segment podcast and he already ruined half of this segment ruined but. ruined or made better that's all i can say sean do, how well, do you defend yourself at this at this accusation i'm pretty sure whenever i speak everything's just brought way up there's no way i could ever bring <laughs> down okay we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one but uh coming up this weekend on uh, november 22nd 4th we have uh magic fest columbus which uh Sean has alluded to the fact that he will be there. I heard a rumor that Eric might be jumping on a plane. Uh, well, we won't know, so maybe Twitter and our listeners It'll will be know. A before 99 we Honda Civic. Oh, you're gonna drive? That's even better. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's this weekend. Then the following week, so the Columbus ends on the Sunday, starting on Monday, November 25th, which we have already talked about, and I have texted a lot of people while we were recording this podcast because I think it's a super cool idea but there will be a pioneer PTQ every single day of the week starting on Monday the 25th all Sunday December 1st we did earlier in this podcast go over the times um they basically you know vary the start times so that it seems like anyone in the world can take advantage of this cool opportunity um we skip a little bit till December 6th to 8th which will be MC7 in Long Beach California this will be 
uh, a kind of important MC for a lot of things. The MPL, the the slots of the current members and who will stay in is going to be determined of this MC. The new members that get to join will be determined. World slots are going to get sorted out. And it's just the last MC of the year. You know, it's been, as much as it's felt a little rushed, a little like MC5, MC6, oh my gosh, MC7. It is pretty cool that this is the year, this is the coming to the close, the the year of all of these new changes, arena versus tabletop. How are we balancing it? What's happening? And this is it. This is the last one of the year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then the last two things I had on here were December 13th to 15th is Magic Fest Oklahoma City. I forgot that this was existing and now feel like I want to go, but we'll see. Uh, and then December 20th to 22nd, the week after, is Magic Fest Portland, and I will be attending very close to Vancouver, so I'm pretty excited for that. Portland standard, right? Yeah. Correct. What I should be at Oklahoma Magic City? Fest Portland. Ooh, that's fun. Is Oklahoma, so Oklahoma City standard as well? I think so. Yes. Perhaps. Oklahoma City and Portland are both listed as standard. Gonna... They're like the two weeks opposite of Christmas, right? Like, the... uh, They're both before, right? Yeah, the, the word opposite was unusual, but yes, they are the two weeks pre prior to Christmas. <laughs> oh, I meant to say like Christmas is in the middle and then both no. Magic Fest are on either side. Okay, God, they're both before. No, they're Wait. both before. Christmas is on December twenty fifth. It yes. never changes. Yes, no, no, that that, that date oh, stays wow, the same. Oh wow, thanks. I thought it was the fifth Thursday of December. <laughs> I don't know why you're mocking me. I mean, me. that's that's how like it depends. I the dates. It it depends on the vernal equinox and a few other things. I mean, we don't need to get into it. But... I said December twentieth and twenty second. Caroline, I don't listen to everything you say. All right, I'm smart. You need to, especially when she's talking about important dates. You know, I'm knowing busy. I research these dates with. Great effort. I'm busy goldfishing I mean, my sweet blue white deck. She so. spent she spent minutes before this podcast putting those dates together. I'm talking minutes before the podcast. I mean, yeah, before the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, knowing that about Magic Fest Oklahoma City in terms of my proximity, maybe Ooh. maybe I could go to my first Magic Fest. I don't okay, know. Okay, hold on. We'll see. Well, so if actually... you if you go, you okay. need to tell us, and we will yeah, all we need go. to go. Okay. Yeah. I so will, I will, I will say, check dates and things and see if I can make it happen. If not, there will be one in the near future where I will show up and just take over the entire thing. That's all it's Just so be. you know, it's not at Christmas time, just oh. in case you weren't sure. Well, that, I'm here for you. It, but it is, the, um, it is the Feast of St. Nicholas, so I'm going to go anyway. It's going to be fine. So Oklahoma City is actually was a pretty like cool last time I went to the, the GB. I think it was 2017. Uh, met some friends that I currently have in Denver, uh, and they have an arcade there that's the name of the arcade was called Bricktown, uh, and we all bricked the GP, and so we were really excited to go to Bricktown the next day, or that evening, I guess, for arcade games and dinner. And so I've always wanted to go back to Bricktown pretty badly, so maybe that will be is, you going to the Grand Prix and Bricktown being there might be the incentive I need. Is it just uh, an adult uh, arcade, like Updown? Have you ever been to Updown? It's like an arcade that has like alcohol and like stuff like that. See, we just have a place called Beercade here in uh, here in the Midwest in Omaha. We have like a Beercade and Beercade Two, the sequel. Mm, Gotcha. Okay, that's pretty sweet. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Beercade Two, Electric Boogaloo. That's where it is. So shout out to Beercade in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, If you ever stop by in the Midwest, please check out Beercade in Benson. Omaha. I was literally in. Were we in Omaha for a Grand Prix earlier this year? I believe so. Or 
Yes, I think so. All right. I, I feel like we were, and we didn't even say hi to Brasky. No, I mean, there's plenty. I mean, you got me, you got Tom Locke, you got a few other folks that are down there. I don't know uh, if we had a Grand Prix in Omaha, but it, it would have been close by. It was probably Kansas City. Yes, I think there it was, was Kansas a KC City. one, which is like two and a half hours oh, away. Oh, okay, got it. Well, regardless of where it is you're going to be playing Magic the Gathering over the next few weeks, uh, there's going to be there's going to be a lot to do, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. There's going to be a whole new standard. There's going to be uh, a lot of different things happening, and we're going to be keeping an eye on it. You can be sure of that. We're going to be keeping our keep our fingers on the pulse of what's happening, and we're going to make sure that whether we're playing this weekend or we're going to be playing on Christmas Day itself at our own version of a PTQ, uh, you can be sure that you can find out all about it. Uh, with Friends in Magic, which is this delightful podcast. And that's going to do it for us for this episode, but we will be back next week to talk more about, the, you know, what the new standard looks like, about Pioneer, about upcoming events and things of that nature. There's always going to be something to talk about. And if you want to keep up to date about it, then you can find out more at our organization, which is uh, Swagoy Gaming at www.swagoy.com, S-W-A-G-O-I.com. And you can meet all the member. Uh, of our various esports teams. And uh, as such, you can find out a lot about us wherever we are on the internet. So let's start with you, Eric Conanhawk. Where can we find out uh, where you are on the internet, where people want to find the content that you make? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter and on Twitch. On Twitter, I'm at Conanhawk. On Twitch, I stream Monday through Friday as long as my travel allows it. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'll let you know whether or not I'll be live. Uh, but it is twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram at Conan Hawk. I always forget that one, but I'm definitely also on Instagram. And usually it's just pictures of my cats. So you don't have to worry about awkward pictures of me. Very true. Uh, so, Sean, where can people find you on the Internet as well? Yeah, so I'll be in Columbus this week. And I find Twitter at Mr. Toolshed. I'll be tweeting about Columbus and what cool thing I turned into an elk. Maybe I'll get to hit an Emrakul or maybe I'll get to hit something dope this weekend. I'll probably post a cool picture about it. So uh, I'll be in Columbus this weekend. You can find me there or on at Mr. Toolshed. Sounds great. And Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini, and on twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays. I always have a magic guest, but I don't always play magic. Um, and that's that's all. This week will be a magic guest, but I don't know what we're playing. Sounds great. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Twitch at Brasky1142. And uh, you can always find out about our podcast by following uh, Swagoy Gaming at uh, Swagoy, S-W-A-G-O-I. And you're going to find out even more coming up next week as we jump back in to Friends and Magic. That's going to do it for us for this week, but we'll see you right around in the next one. So have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. See if we can wave at Caroline so she can notice say bye. <laughs> say bye. goodbye. Say bye. Say bye. Yeah, there we go. We did it. We did it. <laughs>
Caroline couldn't hear us for the last like 10 minutes of this entire podcast, but she like chugged along and put it all together and it was fabulous. Sassy.